Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. My gosh, Lord, you are doing great things. Would you pray with me real quickly? God, Father, would you break our hearts with the things that matter to you? Father, you said that you you sent your son that they may have life. And God, that includes a six-week-old child in mama's womb, that 12-week-old child that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So God, today I ask that you would break our hearts with the things that break your heart. God, open up our eyes that we would see what you want us to see, that we would hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So my name is Andre Gonzalez, and I'm the director of Love Life Charlotte. And you guys are officially adopting week 37 out of our 40-week campaign. And so God has been doing some amazing things. Many of you have, have already participated in our prayer walks. In fact, you guys were at that one last year. And maybe you also came out when you guys adopted, I think it was in April. Raise your hand if you've been to one of our prayer walks and participated. Awesome. So a lot of you already know what's been going on, but there are still a handful of you that still ha um, have not heard about what we're doing. So what has been happening is this is like a move of God. And I'm not just saying that just to sound all spiritual. God is doing something in our city that is blowing me away that I've never seen in my entire life. And other cities in the United States and countries have been hearing about what we're doing and going, hey, can we do this in our city? And what's been happening is, is that the church is coming together and we're praying and interceding that mom and dads would choose life. And we are praying for an end to abortion in our city because this is our city. These are our babies. These are our moms that are in crisis. And so God has spoken to us. And, 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 and I remember when I heard this, it, it totally blew me away. It, it kind of stepped on my toes. And he said, every abortion clinic in the city uh, or in, in our city should have a sign saying, open by permission of the church. And when I heard that, I'm like, because what is our job? For his, we are called to bring the kingdom for what is God's will in heaven to earth. And there's no abortions in heaven. It is not God's will for abortion to take place. So it's our job as the church to enforce, to release the kingdom of heaven to our city. And so God put this vision on Justin's heart. 2012, some friends of his brought him to the abortion clinic, which is only 19-minute drive from here. And told him, said, did you know that this abortion clinic is the largest abortion clinic in the entire Southeast? Bigger than Miami, Orlando, Jacksonville, Atlanta, and uh, Raleigh. It is the biggest in the entire Southeast. And this abortion clinic alone does 150 abortions a week. And in our city, there's 150 to 200 that are taking place every week in our city. And he heard that, and all of a sudden, it just, it rocked him. And then God and then he's like, well, what am I doing about it? What can I do about it? Of course, if there was a woman that I could talk to about choosing life, I would encourage her to choose life. What can I do about it? And God said, prayer. Prayer is the key. If you would fill these streets with the body of Christ here in Charlotte to pray, I will end abortion in your city. 
And over the next couple of years, he just began to just pray and, and, and pray about that. And God put on his heart to do a 40-week campaign. And his goal was to get one church to adopt one week out of the 40 weeks. And so last year, that was our goal. And I met him, and I had always had a passion for revival in our city. And I knew the key would be, rever- uh, would be prayer and unity. And so we did this last year. God gave us 80 churches, ministries, and businesses to all come. And you saw in the video, over 411 moms and dads chose life. So this year, check this out. This year, we are now at 789 moms and dads that have chosen life at the abortion clinic. Come on. We have somewhere around 50 moms and dads that are now being mentored so that when they choose life, we partner them with the local church and they'll mentor them and bring them in the local church. Come on. So we don't just say, hey, mom, choose life and good luck with that decision. But we walk with them as what the church is supposed to do. And so this is what God has been doing. It's been amazing. Just, just yesterday, we had 245 people come out to the prayer walk and, uh, Eight moms and dads chose life, including one yesterday. Come on. Thank you, Lord. So um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come partner with us. This week, Pastor Alex is going to be leading the prayer walk. He's going to be doing Justin's part. And um, we want to give you an opportunity to um, hear, pray, go, and connect is what we're doing with the churches. So now that you've heard about the tragic truth of abortion, this Wednesday, I want to encourage all of you guys to fast and pray. There is power when we fast to pray corporately. So when you sign these cards, we're going to email you all the prayer points. And then um, we'll encourage you to come to the prayer walk on Saturday. So why, why are we actually going to the prayer walk? Well, first of all, we're not going to protest. We're not going to argue. We're not going to engage with anybody at the abortion clinic. Because they're not our battle. Our battle is the stronghold, and the mindset over our city. That, we, that, that, that people would think that abortion is okay. And so that's what we're after. We're battling the spiritual realm, and that's how we're going to do it. We're going to pray, intercede. So when we go, we carry the light and the love of God. And when, when light shows up, what happens to darkness? Darkness flees. And we're seeing it happen. So I want to encourage all of you guys to come participate. So would you grab, out, grab your cards? And for those of you that have already filled this out in the past, if you are getting our, our weekly emails, you don't have to fill it out. This is just for new people that have not been getting any of our emails to fill out because we're going to send all of you guys the emails that, that have filled it out. And fill this out. Give us your email address. We're going to email you all the information you need for, Thurs, uh, uh, for Saturday and for the prayer walk on um, for, for, and then for, for, for praying and fasting. All right? Thank you. Thank you. Will you tell them how we met? It's one of my favorite stories. I love it. I think God was so cool when, he, when we, how we met. Thank you, man. Let's give him a round of applause. Man, he works, he works hard. I, I would be remiss. I would miss the mark if I didn't say thank you to Justin Clark. Is he in the house still or did he book? He's already listened to the sermon once. And the team that had to keep up with Fred and Tracy today, they did, a, <laughs> they did a remarkable job, didn't they? What, isn't that amazing? Do you know, they hadn't heard any of that stuff much, and they just get up there and play it. It's crazy. That's just that's crazy to me. Uh, Andre and I met uh, at a Bethel 
uh, event here at Cabar in Cabarrus County. Uh, they had a, you, you bought tickets to about 150 people came in and you bought tickets uh, to to listen to how to do church. Most people were, you know, these are famous people. You know, these are incredible worship leaders. They write incredible music. Uh, they'd obviously been in the throne room of God and just, you know, a question and answer kind of session and, and uh, you know, just talking to worship leaders and that kind of thing. And Andre was there. Well, they took a time where they prophesied. They just began to prophesy over the city and over people. And he was on the, I think he was on the second to the last row. And they called him out and they said, you in the teal shirt. Anybody know what teal, what color teal is? I didn't, I didn't know what color teal was, but I saw Andre and there it was. And, uh, and they prophesied over him. And, and the thing that struck me the, the, uh, uh, the most, I guess, was they said, you're, you know, you're going, you're going to expand. Your ministry is going to begin to take over the city. And, and your voice for the voiceless is going to begin to be heard. And they don't, they don't know nothing. And the anointing of the God was all over it, and, and you saw it, and the people around you, I guess they're all your buddies, they were just, I mean, and couldn't nobody contain themselves because of the voice of the Lord that was spoken over this. And listen, this is, this is beautiful. We're going to John 10 in just a moment. It says, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice. He also says in that whole passage of Scripture in John 10 that you also know the voice of the ear, the one, the hireling, the one that doesn't really care about you, the one that allows the attacks from the evil one. You also know his voice. So you need to get where you can really identify the voice and the Spirit of God. I hope you can. hope you continue to grow in that. I'm growing in that. We all need to be growing in that. I was, Julie John was here. She does the Unbound Ministry. She came into my office, and it was the same thing. The Spirit of God's all over her. If she'd been selling cotton candy, I'd have bought it just because the Spirit of God was all over her. And you go, yes, there's the Spirit of the Lord. It's on her. And you know that, and, and, and you, can, you can get where you can identify that more. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's going to be provision. There's going to be, it's going to do its work. No matter what we see, it's going to do its work. Now, one of the things that excites me as, as well is that thir I think 13 people have quit. Yep. Is it 13 people, employees, have quit the abortion clinic and gone and got some other kind of job? That's an amazing statistic as well over the last year. 22 salvations have come because of the prayer. It's amazing. Where well, our goal, you know, in this is to help you actually get on the front, the spiritual warfare front. I, I was reminded, I was reminded as, as you were leading worship, Fred, as you were speaking just a moment ago, if, if there are 40 righteous, would you spare the city? If, there, if there's 30 righteous, would you spare the city? If there's 20 righteous, would you spare the city? If there's only 10 righteous, God, would you spare the city? And the answer was yes, yes, yes. So the reason Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed wasn't because of sin. It was because of a lack of righteousness. 
And so what we're doing is, is the righteous are going to gather Saturday and pray, agree with God, speak the truth in the word of God over situation. Let me just say this, man. This is not political. You know, sometimes you say things and you can't remember when you said them, but I, I think the Lord wants me to repeat this. Because we were, Tracy was singing, she was singing this song about how much God wants to minister to you. Not, not just the church, not just your friends, not just the people you care about, but he wants you to understand who he is. He wants you to have intimate revelation of not only who he is, but so that that can affect you. It can change you. It can... It can move you to something that he wants you to discover about him. And there's a truth that sometimes is misconstrued and it's it's misunderstood because of, you know, it's the beginning of the Bible and everybody knows it. On the first day, God created light. He said, you know, know, created the earth and then he goes through the seven days, right? And the seventh, uh, sixth day, he creates man, right? So we think that God created the universe. He created the universe, and then he goes, I got a good idea. Let's make man. Yeah, 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 Jesus. Let's do it. I I tell you what, we, we could do it like this. Oh, wouldn't it be neat if we did it like this? Oh, man, it's coming. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I got it. You think that's the way it occurred? No. What he did, he said, ah, I got this idea, man. I got this idea of you. I got this idea of you. Listen, I got this idea of you. (laughs) Oh, do I want to be close to you? Oh, do I want to know you? Oh, do I desire you to know me? Oh, that's going to be so good. Wow. What can I do for you? Oh, I can create the universe. I can create all the stars in heaven. I can create an environment where they can live and I can breathe in them and they'll become a living being. I can, I can, I can be, I can create something that they can have dominion over and they can they can recreate so that we can be recreated in my likeness. You were on his mind first. Somebody say amen. Somebody needs to hear that. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Say that. I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. Jesus says in John 10 that I'm the good shepherd. He, he has this whole story about shepherding. And you know what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd is, is, a, is, a, is a, a, a person who has a flock. He has sheep in this particular case. And they're free-range sheep, which means they don't have any fences. We like pastures with fences these days. We only got to chase them things. But can you imagine for a second? If there were no fences, 
and you actually had to train and care for a herd of sheep or whatever it might be in the midst of no boundaries. And then you had to make sure that they got the care they needed, they got the provision that they needed, that they couldn't think for themselves because they weren't quite smart enough. Now, this is not necessarily in reference for you, even though sheep are pretty dumb animals. <laughs> that he would make sure that they got everything they needed. And it says in this whole passage of Scripture in John 10 that he protects them, that he, he takes them to place, you know, to green pastures. He, he makes sure that they have water. He makes sure that their needs are met. And he protects them. He shields them from the things that would harm them, like wolves and lions and coyotes. Right? He said, I'm the good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And a good shepherd wants the sheep to prosper. Would you agree? Now, one of the things that we got to get over sometimes in religious circles is this idea of prosperity. And we think about the prosperity gospel. I'm one who had to get over the idea of the prosperity gospel. There's a religious spirit that would want you to believe something other than God wants you to prosper. That somehow you're supposed to suffer. When Jesus didn't say, I'm a bad shepherd, I'm a mediocre shepherd, I'm a moderate shepherd, he actually said, I'm a good shepherd. He also says this. He says, all things, say it with me, all things work together for, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, called according to his way, who obey his voice, who do what he says, who follow him, who trust in him, which what it means to believe. And he says, I'm the door to this. But he calls himself a good shepherd. He's not a moderate shepherd. He's not a poor shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He brings uh, to us prosperity, not poverty. It's not a poverty gospel. Right? Because he's good. It's not a gospel where you have to worry about what God's going to do today because he might be in a bad mood or not in a good mood. It doesn't have anything to do with the mood of God because he is a good shepherd. Do you understand that? Say it with me. God is a good shepherd. Okay, so we're going to go into Colossians. Jesus is saying that in John 10. I encourage you to read that story. It's an amazing story. But we are about to embark upon a journey. What we want to do is put in your hands the ability, without excuse, to change the atmosphere for good in your house. You know, one of the things that we find, and I found in churches, I've got 20, met Fred in 1993, so that was, yeah, that was 24 years ago. So we've been doing ministry for 24 years uh, on a full-time basis. And over those years, there's this one common element that I've noticed in church that has bugged me, and, and I think we're at a place as a church where we're just going to, we're bolting through it. We're getting through it. You can either get on the train or you can, you're going to get, you know, you're going to struggle. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep trying to get you to get on the train. We're not going to give up on you. But I'm telling you, you're going to want to ride because it's going to be a beautiful view. 
<laughs> but we're trying to put the tools in your hands so you can be successful. So this message isn't a religious. We're not going into religion. We don't want this to have religion on it at all. But what we want to do is we recognize the fact that we want to change your atmosphere. Because we know the word of God brings salvation. And with salvation comes all the things that Jesus did on the cross. There's healing. There's provision. There, there's, there's creative ideas that come, come with that. There's deliverance. has the idea of rescuing you from a place, just like he said, the shepherd rescues you from a place of harm and a place of destruction. He even takes, even when you might have gotten bit by some kind of demonic influence, you know, he's going to take that and he's going to work there for good. And that's called a testimony. Anybody got one? Well, we've made stupid mistakes no matter how we made them, but God did it. Last week, if you were here, how many were here last week? Raise your hand. I tell you what, how many weren't here? and did, How many didn't hear Brandon? That's what I want to know. All right, Brandon's going to come, and he's going to give us the tie-in from last week because it's important. It's important. There's a passage of Scripture that says that the uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by Right? So we want to walk in faith. I think that's everybody's expectation. That's why you're here. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have faith. You didn't, it wouldn't be here if you didn't want to walk in faith. And so faith comes by? And hearing by the? Thank you. Let me get six real quick. Come on. Come on. Don't waste time. Let me get six. That's right. It's his time. It's not even my time. Miranda, can you come here? Can you, can you guys face each other? All right, and go two feet over, and then let me have two more face each other. You can stay. Come face him right here, and then do the same. Do the same down there, two feet over. Perfect. Come on, Zion, you're good. There you go. Cool. Let's watch this real quick. Y'all, if this is the fourth time you've seen it, don't be prideful. The Lord, can, the Lord can show you something new. I'm telling you. It's the kingdom. Don't be prideful. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And so... So this is the, the, the gateway, the experience of faith, the gateway, the experience of hearing, the gateway, the experience of the word of God. And what we want to do typically, oftentimes, is, is have an idol and do it differently than the way God says do it. So we don't want to go through this gate. We want to sidestep. Everybody in the building say sidestep. We want to sidestep and, and not value the word of God but try to value hearing from the Father personally or not value that and just be these incredible people of faith without having experience with the Word of God or hearing from God. Does anyone else want to say with me, no more sidestepping? No side I'm going to go through the way the Father says, Approach me right here through the word of God, through the written word of God, which is going to lead to an experience of God actually speaking. So when he says, God's faithful, right here he says, Brandon, I'm faithful. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'm with you. I don't care what it looks like, which produces faith in me. And I can go, Father, you're faithful. I don't care what I see. It doesn't matter. You are who you say you are. And that's faith. But it comes no other way than the process the Father says it comes. Amen.
And so in Colossians, which is the first chapter that we're going to assign you as a family, and I'll give you the details on that in just a moment. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, if you've got your Bibles, I'm turning to it as we speak as well. It says this in the New King James, and he, Jesus, was before all things. Say that, before, and in him all things consist. Man, what a great passage. In verse 15, it leads to this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whatever power, no matter what power it is, God's the God of it. Y'all need to hear that. He created all things. And all things are subject to him, including evil forces. They're all there. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or any kind of power, they were all created through him and for him, and he is before all of them, and he holds it all together. Well, this right here is a Ancient Roots Translinear Bible, and it just basically goes back to the original Hebrew, and it... Uh, breaks it down like this in verse 19. It says this about Jesus. Jesus desired for all fulfillment of what he intended to reside in him and to be shepherding everything by his hand and by his hand tranquility by the blood of the cross if on the land and if in heaven. In other words, Jesus wants to shepherd everything. He wants to be your shepherd, and he's giving you the pathway, and he's saying to you and me as an individual, I've got good for you because I'm a good shepherd. I value you. I created all this for you, and I've got good plan for you. All you have to do is listen to my voice and follow me. Yes? Have intimacy with me. Do you know, do you know that God wants you to know him more than you want to know him? His desire for you to know him is greater than your desire to know him. Some of you might be saying, you don't know, man, you don't know how bad I want to know God. doesn't matter how bad you want to know God. His desire is for you to know him. Not only that, but in, the, in direct proportion to the effort level that you pursue him, he will be found. Because he wants to reveal himself to you. That's his desire. But it comes by hearing, and it comes by the Word of God. And there's no sidestepping. And so our desire, the staff of this church, the leaders of this church, have said enough is enough for people who think that they can be people of faith without the Word of God. 
And one of the things that I noticed when I was in Israel was how the family unit rallied or their center, their, their, their core, their axis, their nucleus of their family was the word of God and the ways of God, the testimony of God. Well, in America, it's the Sunday morning service. Isn't it? We go to church on Sunday. Very good. Got it. Whew. Yeah. Man, they and they were good. Man, the shows we can get on Sunday morning these days, they're really excellent, aren't they? The Alabama Theater. And I'm checked. We're trying to walk that walk of faith without going through the door that God orders to go through because he's the good shepherd. And he wants to teach us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to intimately know him because he wants to shepherd everything in your life. And so coming through the word of God, this is what we know about it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, says that God's word is alive and it's full of power. It's a living thing. That's why Brandon said, don't be prideful because he can show you something else. Why? Because the word of God, the truth of the word of God, it's alive and it's powerful. And we know that grace is God's spirit, God's power, working in your circumstances that does more than you can do. So there has to be this mindset in our families that we believe if we'll do it God's way, if, we'll, if we will commit to his way and to know his word, he said, write the word of God on your foreheads. In other words, always have it right here. Well, it's hard for it to be right here if you don't read it, right? Would you agree? It's hard to put the word of God. He said, put it on your heart. Let it be in your heart so that you naturally respond. In other words, your reflex action needs to be the word of God. Your, your response to life's stuff needs to be the word of God. Because it's in you. It's in you. It's your core. It's your foundation. It's your rock. It's everything to you because you learned it because you know it reveals the nature and the character of your father. And the more you hang out with your father, the more you become like him. Hence, and let me just say, hence why the poor representation of our father from the church to the world. Are we, are we tracking? And we allow, we allow other ways of thinking to dominate us because we take them in much more than we take in the thinking of the Father. In other words, it's easy right now for Satan. He's coming at us with all kinds of philosophies that we're taking in at a rate much greater than the weight rate we're taking in the philosophy of God. You tracking with me? So what we want to do is we want to change the atmosphere of your house. 
And how, how we're going to do that is we're going to put tools in your hand so you don't have any excuses. The excuses are over. Brandon's already declared it, right? But let's look at what Hebrews 4, 11, and 12. We're going to read a couple of scriptures about what it's about, and then we're going to just tell you what we're doing. That's all we're going to do today. We got it? Hebrews, there we go. Look at my man. Kevin Hoff in the back of the room, ladies and gentlemen. He's amazing. And Fred and Tracy singing that new song, and he had the words up on the screen. It was, it was great. Great to go, Kevin. Awesome job, brother. But Hebrews 14, 11, and 12 says, Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently. Wait. That sounds like effort. You want me to put effort into Christianity? Are you kidding me? Here we go. To do what? To enter into the rest of God. The rest of God is really believing. It's that faith thing that says, I believe God's way is better. The rest of God says, I believe that the promises are yes and amen for me because I'm a son and daughter of God. That's the rest of God. The rest of God says, I don't care what's happening all around me. I can trust my God. And I put my trust in him. And it says, strive. How do you strive? You got to know. You got to know the word of God. You got to know the character and nature of God so you can enter the rest of God. To know and experience it for yourself. We said it last week that my experience with God, even though it's a testimony and it helps build our faith because we've seen the miraculous of God in somebody's life and we can hear the testimony of it and we say, I know that's who my God is, but you still have to experience it for yourself. And once you do, nobody will ever be able to convince you that your God isn't what you just experienced. It'll never be able to happen. Will it, Allison? It'll never be able to happen, will it? You'll never, ever talk me out of who my God is. Why? Because I've got a personal experience with God who, who is my healer, who's my deliverer, who's my protector, he, who is my safety, who is my rock and my refuge. I've, I know. He's done it once, and I've seen him do it again. And again and again. And then no matter how unfaithful I've been to him, all I have to do is come back to him. And his faithfulness is renewed again. Right now, all over again. So no matter where you're at, just come back to Jesus. And he says to you, yes and amen. My promises are good for you. My arms are wide open to you. Matter of fact, you start coming toward God, he'll run to you. Hebrews 14, I'm going to get this read, I promise I am. Enter into the rest of God to know and experience it for yourself. That no one, that you may fall, that you, uh, that no one may fall, that you won't fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and absence of faith and disobedience in which the people that came before you fell in the wilderness. For the word that God speaks it's alive. The word that God has for your life, 
the word that he has, the solution that he has, the protection that he has, the provision that he has for you, it's alive. It's alive. It's powerful. It's full of power. It's, it's, he makes it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It, it does what it's sent to do. Why? You need to understand this. Why does it do everything that it, that it is sent to do? Because all authority, whether in heaven or on earth, whether evil or good, is underneath his feet. When he speaks it, they have to obey because they're underneath him. Whether they want to or not, they know that it has to be done. So his word in your life, if you'll believe and have faith and begin to walk in it, it's going to actually make things happen. It will be effective. It's effective. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breadth of life, our soul, our mind, will, and emotion. It gets our emotions in check. It helps the way we think. It brings our body into alignment. Did you know that some of you that are suffering with depression, that you don't have to do that any longer? Because God can, he can renew your mind. He can, your mind is producing chemicals and things that it shouldn't produce. That's why you're depressed. And you may need medication for a season to get it started in the right direction, but your healer, the one who can actually get you thinking different, they can get you manufacturing the actual enzyme that you need that's gonna bring healing and health, is the healer, and his name is Jesus. And that's the one that's gonna bring healing and health to the soul. He, it, it divides the word of God. When it changes the way you think, actually can change your biochemical makeup. It's active. Your mind, your will, your body, your emotions. It's effective. And it reaches your spirit to the joints of the marrow of the deepest parts of your nature. It exposes and shifts and analyzes and judges the very faults and the intent and the purposes of your heart. It can adjust you. It can help you. It can put you on the right track. I saw a bunch of tissue up here a while ago, and they've used them all. I need one. Thank you, baby. I played golf one time with a stranger we played nine holes and he got to the ninth hole and he said what was your wife's name again Liz was playing with us what's your name I've heard you call her baby darling <laughs> honey but I've never heard her name since she started so I heard somebody go oh when I called you baby but God he knows the thoughts of your heart and the word of God can actually expose the thoughts of your heart, exposing in a good way. He wants to expose them to you. He doesn't want to embarrass you. It's not for your embarrassment. 
It's, it's so that you can see how you're not walking in his way. What is causing something less than his perfect will to happen in your life? He's exposing it so he can get you on the right track, and he knows what's in our hearts, and he can correct that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, it says this, And how from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation, which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, through the leaning of the entire human personality. Y'all need to say that with me. Let's read that right. Through the what? The leaning on the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus is absolute trust and confidence in his power and his wisdom and his goodness. You've got to believe in your heart of hearts with everything that's in your being that if you'll really begin to submit, what Michael sings it all the time, what happens if we really believe? What would we look like if we really believed what God is saying about us and toward us and toward our circumstances? My whole personality is subject to his goodness. Every scripture, Everything that's been written in this book is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin. Again, not conviction of sin to condemn, because Jesus didn't come to condemn, but he came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save that which was lost. So the word of God saves you from yourself when you're thinking is not thinking in the ways of God. How many of you know that you can be you can be saved and still not be blessed? You can you can be a son or daughter of God but not be living in blessing because you're not living in obedience to the will and the ways of God. You don't know the word and so you find yourself where you're not living in God's blessing. And so he says, every scripture is God-breathed, and it convicts us of sin. It's for correction and of error and discipline in obedience and for training in righteousness, right thinking, in holy living, in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient and fitted thoroughly equipped for the good work that God has for him. James says this, but don't just listen to God's word. you got to do what it says. Not only do you have to listen, you have to get in it, you got to read it, you got to listen to it, you got to walk in it. That's the faith deal. That's the faith deal. Now, we've got that track that we've got coming up. I'm sure it's coming. There it is. And so this is what we got planned for you. This is what we want you to do. This is, this is the action step. We want to change the atmosphere of your house. We want to change what you value most. And we want everybody at Eastside Church to value the Word of God more than anything else. Listen. Listen. If I value my wife more than I value the Word of God, y'all need to listen to me. I'll get all, uh, we'll give all this to you. 
If y'all, I see everybody writing. That's good. We'll get it to you. <clears throat> if you value your wife or your husband or your children more than the word of God, there's no way that you could be the husband, the wife, or the parent that you could be if you turned it around. You've got to value the word of God more than you do your mate or you can't be what God wants you to be to your mate. You got to, we got to get that fixed in our families. And what you value most is what's in your schedule. It's just a fact. We do what we want to do. We do what we love. We do what we want to do. And here's the deal. Listen, listen to this statistic. We're going to really begin. We started with it on the men's retreat, and we're really going to get it. Now, the first service didn't get any of this. <laughs> There's a spirit in our world, a sexual perverted spirit that is dominating our culture. It's dominating this world. It's, it's not, it's a spirit. It's evil. We're going to expose it, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to get free of it. And I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go into it or not. I don't think I am. I'm going to wait. It's coming. <laughs> God. All right, I am. Sixty-six percent of Christians in church are looking at pornography. Men. Sixty-six percent of men that go to church look at pornography. Statistics. Thirty-five percent of porn site hits are women. And we were in our office and we we're talking about this. And the women in the room said, "Well, women are more about emotion. They want emotion." I was like, yeah, that's what it used to be until the Spirit got a hold of them. And what the Spirit has convinced you of is they're looking at women on women and more than one partner at a time. Now, to get in that place doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come by accident. You gradually get there because a culture of thinking is leading you to believe that this is okay in some way. And then you find your culture in that place after a long period of time. And that's where we find ourselves today. And we have to arrest our households, change what we value, which is the word of God. So the word of God can actually do the work and cast this spirit out of our culture. And it's the church's responsibility to get it done. And there's no way it's going to happen unless we get to the place where we love the Word of God. It's not going to happen because we object. It's going to happen because we're transformed. And it can have no effect on us because we're hanging out with Jesus. And the answer isn't just to discipline yourself out of whatever habit it might be. 
The answer is to put yourself in a place where you're receiving from the Most High God and you're spending so much time with him that he actually changes the nature and the culture of your personality. So you're no longer attracted to that kind of thing and you can identify that that's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of hell and he is underneath the authority of heaven and I don't have anything to do with him because I recognize what it is. Now that could go all over the place as far as what we're doing. There, I got, that's seven of you that like that. Come on. But we got to change the culture of our house. In the Jewish culture, the, the unit is all around, centered around God. He's our rock. He's, he's what we build our lives on. And what we value most is what, what we idolize. Idols are two things. Have I said this already this service? Idols are two things. Idols can be something that we value more than God, but it can also be the wrong image of God. Idol actually means false image. And you've got a false image of, of the nature and the character of God towards you. And you need to get rid of that false image and start adopting the image that God wants him to have in your life. So the word of God is going to do that. But you've got to make it the centerpiece of what you're doing. Yes? And it's going to change the atmosphere for your house. Now, the scripture that I just read said, you know, you've been doing this as a kid. You know, since you were children, you've been reading the scriptures. Well, that's not really true in our culture. There are some households that that is true. You might be doing a good job. But don't get prideful because God can teach you something else. Whatever you need to learn, you need to learn it, right? But as a church, what we really want to do is grow the atmosphere in our homes. When we come in here, it's just like we can't, you know, we, the, the ceiling's going to come off this place because we are so strong in the Word of God. And so we've made it easy. We're going to start with Colossians. That's why I started in Colossians and showed you that Jesus wants to be your shepherd of every aspect of your personality and your family. But I call the men at the men's retreat that they're going to be the ones leading. So wives, do not rescue your husband from what I'm about to tell you. You hear me? Don't keep your husband, for being transformed into the image of God by allowing him to do what God called him to do in the family. That's another clap. I got two claps with that. Don't rescue him. Make him lead. So this is what I want you to do. Kitchen table, dining room cable, around, you know, all get on the floor. But you got uh, seven days to read four chapters. If you got your little, got your little piece of paper, Everybody should have got one of these. This right here, Family Basics. You should have got one of these. And then what this is, guys, it's just, you know, you look up Colossians. No, look up Colossians in the index. No, no, don't know that. Anyway, go to Colossians. Go to chapter one. I'm just being funny. I'm just supposed to be funny. None of you laughing. And there's this little track right here. Scripture, observation, application, prayer that we've got that can help you walk your family through it. And then on page two here, we have given you, on chapter one, there's a couple of questions you can ask your kids and, and stuff. And chapter two and chapter three and chapter four, there's four chapters, there's seven days. So that means, this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to gather your family around the dinner table.
I know that's a foreign concept in our culture, but let's gather around the dinner table and let's actually open the book of God. And let's read the chapter, men, lead your families through. I don't care how you do it. You can have your kids read it. We don't want to be religious. What we're trying to do is make this part of your routine forever and ever and ever. We're trying to change the atmosphere in our homes. We're trying to make our marriages good. We're trying to be good parents, and there's no way to do that separated from the Word of God. And so you have four days. So put it in your calendar. We're going to do this at this time. What's the best for your family? You know, it's at 6 o'clock at night. It's at 7.30. You put that time down. Everybody knows this week that you're going to meet at 7 o'clock, and you're going to do Colossians chapter 1. And then the next night you do chapter 2, and the next night you do chapter 3. It might take 15 minutes. It might take 20, or you can spend an hour. Or if you're Brandon Sharp at the Sharp household, it can be two hours and 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one. You know, he reads it backwards. He don't even start from the top. He goes. <laughs> well, we want to make it easy for you. What we're trying to really do is change the atmosphere. Amen? And, uh, I can't wait to see what God does in your life because he created all this just for you. And he's got a way, and he's a good shepherd. And he's going to lead you and guide you and show you all righteousness, change the way you think, and change what you do because you're spending time with him. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. <laughs> All right, let's lift our hands to the Lord as an act of worship and an act of surrender because it's going to take it. It's going to take it. So let's say it right now out loud. Let's say it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I reject the spirit of rebellion. I ask you, God, that I would clearly see what's trying to steal, kill, and destroy my family. That I would recognize and believe that your way is right. And that I would enter into and I would lead my family into your rest, your way. Because I commit and value your word. I want to read it, I want to hear it, and I want to do it. Change me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't we give the Lord praise? Give him a shout. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We bless you, Lord. We bless you already. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co